Grace from Griffin, Georgia. I turned 11 years old this week and remember Caddy throwing me a kid's birthday party like it was yesterday. I am so thrilled to tell you that Cadillac is back. That's right, he's back with his wife Donna for his podcast, My Second Act. I hope you enjoy. My name is Cadillac Jack. I joined Atlanta Radio when I was 19 years old, put in a very loyal 26 years. Until July 2019, I was fired. So welcome to My Second Act. And my name's Donna, and I'm Caddy's wife, and I'm a little under the weather today. I um, I went to bed last night at, which this is unheard of for me, I went to bed at 7 o'clock. And throughout the evening... Who touched you? You did. You're so sweet. But throughout the evening, although you did tell me, do not put any of your used tissues in the bed. No, don't do that. So throw them on the floor. Don't leave them in the bed. You, I mean, Donna went to bed last night at 7 o'clock. I got there about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and you had a box of tissues in the bed. And I said, no, 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 no. Throw, yeah, throw them on the floor. I'll pick them up from the floor, but just throw them on the floor, and, and but not in the bed. Everybody's got something right now. There's so much stuff going around. But um, <laughs> I think it's interesting when moms get sick versus dads getting sick. Because, like, when you get sick, the kids are like, oh, I'm like, dad's not feeling well. You know, he's in the bed asleep, whatever. And they're like, oh, okay, whatever. And, like, I never get sick. I'm like a doctor or something. And maybe it's because I've been around these three kids so long and I've built up some resistance, but I never, rarely, again, I'm going to not, do I get sick? But last night, like Olivia and Charlotte would like tiptoe in the room and, are you okay, mommy? Are you going to make it? And even the dogs looked a little concerned, you know, because you say the dogs get nervous when they're alone with me at the house. Absolutely. Like the, when you're at work or. They don't know. They don't know if they're going to get fed. They don't know if they're going to get Donna. water. Donna. That's true. It's true. Are they gonna have to? Are they gonna get to go out when they have to go to the bathroom? They looked a little nervous. Everybody looked a little nervous. You can't get sick, and I've always said that because you run the high. You know, you run everything. Listen to that. You can't. You get can't. Sick. You don't have sick days. Yeah. You don't have sick days. However, not to make this about me, but, mm-hmm. but my misophonia. Oh God. Has been peaking for the past forty-eight hours because of the blowing and the snotting and the coughing and the wheezing and the hacking and I know. I and I the, can't help Donna that I have this very, very severe selfish disease. Illness. One of many. Well, I have this thing where I cannot stand like for my nose to run. So I have to blow it and like my nose is so red right now. I look like Rudolph, but like I have to blow it and blow it and blow it. So I cannot stand for my nose to run. So I feel like I can't even blow my nose around you or whatever. You can't. Step if you need to blow your nose, step out. If you don't mind from the studio. Okay. What was your hype song on the way? I'll keep that in mind. My hype song was um Tyler the Creator. I don't know who that is. Okay. He was on the Grammys. Earthquake is the song. So a little thing about Tyler Creator, Tyler the Creator. I thought he was like Chance the Rapper. And I I love all kinds of music. People have always asked me like, do you only like country music? I am a huge rock fan, huge Southern rock fan, love everything, you know, all kinds of music. And I I mean, I love Eminem. I love Jay-Z, all of it. So I... I went into that Grammy rabbit hole that you and I talk about all the time where someone plays on the awards and then you're like, what is this guy's deal? Because the wig, he had the little blonde wig. And I became obsessed when he was doing did his he performance. Did he like the stage on fire or the something? The stage was on fire. Okay. And he did like a free fall back into it. But I became obsessed with him keeping that blonde wig on. I'm like, is this wig going to fall off? Because he was like dancing around. But it was almost like rock and rap 
together. And I think I said that to like Will or Olivia and they're like, oh, yeah, duh, that's what he is. But I had no idea. Like this guy was never on my radar until I watched the Grammys. Crazy. What was your hype song? My hype song is any one of the 20 songs on Tanya Tucker's 20 Greatest Hits this week. Oh, yeah. It's interesting to me how when you watch an award show like the Grammys this past weekend and you see an artist or you hear a song and you suddenly do what? You go and you download it. And That's what I mean. The, the download charts are always really interesting to look at a week after the Grammys to see who saw the biggest post Grammy spike, who saw the biggest, you know, who who didn't, their performance didn't work because people didn't go download the song, the Gwen Stefani, Blake Shelton duet. Right. That they perform right. is is on fire right now. Yeah. With downloads. And there are so many songs. And for me, it was Tandy Tucker. You know, she actually won her first Grammy. She's 66 years old. She released Delta Dawn when she was 13. And she just this past weekend won her first Grammy ever. And it was for a song that she and Brandy Carlisle and a couple of other people wrote. Um, and it's called Bring My Flowers Now. Sounds really depressing. And she won. Well, it is. <laughs> but she won for Best Country Song. And also her album won a Grammy this year. I had a, I said for a while you, I'm living. Yeah. I said to you, I just joking on, um, we were watching the Grammys. Cause like, okay. So she performed with Brandy Carlisle, who's much younger than her. And every time someone says, everyone, <laughs> you can tell this? Okay. everyone's every time someone says something, Brandy Carlisle, I always think it's the Brandy Carlisle from the go-go's, but it's not, it's like a country Brandy Carlisle. It's kind of alt country. Almost like a Katie Lang. A modern day Katie Lang. Anyway, so I'm like, do you think she had to watch over Tanya for the like the first half of the Grammys? Like, had to make sure she didn't, you know, have too many, have too many, uh, anything, anything's, yeah. <laughs> Amaretta Sauer, like a sober sitter, yes, yeah, until the performance is over, and, and then, then Brandy's like, I'm, I'm washing my hands. God, of this. yes, I can go hang out with <laughs> Ellen. You know, like I can get out of here and do something. You know, okay, I've got one. Did you know that? Okay. Well, I wanted to sing some of my favorite Tanya Tucker hits. Okay. I've been listening to this Greatest Hits Project nonstop. It came out like in 2000. I'm sure it was she owed the record label an album, you know, to finish up her contract with the record label. And so she just threw out a Greatest Hits package. But Tanya Tucker back in the day, come on. I remember when I got to Atlanta, she was as big as Luke Bryan is now to the country format and to country radio. And she was fun. Oh, man. Yeah. Tanya Tucker was fun (laughs) back in the day. Some kind of trouble. Down to my last teardrop. Tell me about it. Two spares and a hurricane. Uh, My arms stay open all night. Remember that one? Kind of. It's a little too late. And so I've just been listening to this nonstop, especially when I'm on the road in the truck. And I was bringing Charlotte home from carpool the day after the Grammys. And I was just rocking out to Tandy Tucker. And we pull in after she listens to Tandy Tucker for the first time for like 30 minutes straight. And I put my truck in park and she turns to me and she goes, daddy, Tandy Tucker gives me a headache. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But all those hits, but it's seeing her on the Grammys. I would have never downloaded Tandy Tucker, 20 greatest hits. Had I not seen her on the Grammys, I was so proud of her win. Right. And uh, Brandy Carlisle is, I mean, she's got a very yeah. large, she's on fire. very, very uh, proud fan base. I thought Tanya Tucker was a lot older than she is. She looks a lot older than 66. She's, yeah, for sure. she's, but again, she was a lot of, and probably still is. There's some I miles can, on those tires. You, let me tell you something. Did she date? Did, no wasn't she with Keith, Keith? That was Lori Morgan. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I get her and Lori Morgan confused all the time. She probably wouldn't appreciate that. <laughs> Fun to party with back in the day. Oh, well, let's talk about the Grammy. So, okay. like, come some of these awards because you and I were watching them, and I think what we decided is we've we're not our parents, but like we be, like you know those comments that you make that make you sound like your parents. 
I remember I used to watch the MTV music, like the MTV awards with my mom and them. They'd be like, what is this? This is not music. That's what, I mean, I was, some of it I was like, what on earth? So definitely for Tyler, the creator, I was kind of like, what on earth? But um, I will tell you that Camila Cabela song that she sang for her father. I downloaded it. Very, very sweet. I mean, whatever medicine, this medicine that I'm taking for my cold, it makes me kind of like weepy and mm-hmm. sad. So I, today could go kind of squirrely. But um, it that performance just really got to me. Because she, you know, she came off the stage and her dad's her on the front dad row. was on the tears. front row and he was in tears. It was very sweet. I want to read, if you don't mind, um, just a, a piece from that song. I swear in my heart that he's a good man. I promise he loves me. He'd never hurt me. You held me so tight. Now someone else can, but you were the first man that really loved me. Now you're on the driveway, faking a smile. You wish you could tell him he doesn't deserve me. So I had to stop the car, turn around to tell you were, uh, to tell you, you were the first man that really loved me. And before they open up the doors, I say, I've never seen you cry before. You say, you've never looked so beautiful. You know, you'll always be my little girl. Oh, does it make me want to cry now? So Please sweet. Don't. I know. I'll tell you another one that you weren't really big on, but I thought it was a great performance was um, Blake and Gwen. I wanted more fire. I wanted him to just lay one on her or just yeah. to look. You know, remember when Tim and Faith, and, and they still do this very well yes. in concert. They haven't toured in a couple of years, but when you ever, you know, whenever you see Tim and Faith perform on an award show, it's your love or one of those songs. Remember they have the chairs pulled oh, up to one another yes. and their legs are intertwined oh, yeah. and they're gazing at each other's eyes. Yes. That I did not feel that emotion watching Blake Shelton and Gwen, Gwen St- Good song, yeah. but the performance I thought fell flat because they could have. I don't know. They I thought it was like a very sweet mm. performance. It wasn't like sexy. Like I know what you're talking about, about like Faith and Tim. It wasn't that kind of performance. But it was very sweet when she reached over. He said he was very nervous um, performing with her. And so I kind of, I thought it was really sweet when she reached over and kind of grabbed his hand and just held it for the remainder of the song, you know. Um, but I, I thought it was good. I think it's a great song. Um, Aerosmith and Run DMC. I Can we just that. talk about this? I, I mean, that. I was so afraid that he he Stephen Perry's gonna or Stephen Tyler's gonna break a hip. I mean, it is amazing when you see him out there like jumping around and Did you like it, the performance? It was Walk This Way, wasn't it? No, it was very good. It was, was very it walk good. This way? Yeah, it was Walk This Way. It was very good with Run DMC. Very good. I mean, they had a lot of controversy because you know their original drummer mm-hmm. was they, not allowed. To come. They would not let him perform and he kept showing up during Grammy week. Um, like at the music cares. Yes, different event, performances. Which is like the Friday I, before. The I will Grammy say series. this, and I thought the um, the um, Demi Lovato song was, you know, she started the song, stopped, and started over. I missed that. Yeah, it was very emotional because it was a song about her struggle, um, you know, with staying sober and addiction. And here's the interesting thing about the Grammys: it seems like with these awards. I mean, maybe it's just the last couple of years. Something always happens. Like, you know, obviously we're going to talk about in a minute. There was the Kobe, there was the Kobe cloud kind of over these awards in the Staples Arena, but Staples Center. But I mean, like, you know, Whitney Houston, that happened, you know, after the Clive Davis party that because it's a whole week of kind of events, music cares, the Clive Davis event. So there was that. And then last year, Demi Lovato had all those, you know, she, I think that's when her issues kind of started. So it seems like every year there's something kind of around the Grammys that happens, you know, I don't know. I think that producers of the Grammys thought that this year specifically, 
it would skew younger and create more audience because you have the Ariana Grandes, you have the Camilla yes, Cabellos, Cabello. you have, um, help me out, Lizzo, you have yeah, Lizzo. these, these Billie younger, Eilish. Yes, who, who won everything that she was yes. nominated for in the major categories, yes. I think. I think that the producers expected there to be a, a larger, younger skewing audience, and there wasn't. The ratings were, were flat for the most part. I also think that producers thought that there would be a spike because of the Toby. I'm sorry, the Kobe, Kobe. story from Probably, earlier. In the yeah. Day. Well, here's the thing and about, but here's the thing about younger viewers. Like I look in our house and you and I are sitting there down there watching the Grammys. And I know Charlotte's a big Ariana Grande fan. So I'm like, come down. Ariana Grande is going to sing. I'll be down in a little bit. You know, I think Olivia came and watched a little bit of it, but younger people do not watch TV. You know, their take on it is after the Grammys are over, if there's some amazing performance that everyone's talking about, I'll go back and watch it on YouTube, you know, or watch it on my social media channels. They're not like you and I, like old school, sit down. You know, we get so excited, get our little popcorn. We do. I was so, I was so excited about the Grammys. And then because of the Kobe story, I, and I understand why, but it took a very somber tone and I'm, I'm sure that it was tough for Lizzo to go out there and shake her ass like she did as the opening number. And that was a lot of shaking. Um, because everybody was in a different mind space, especially, yeah. and you and I have talked about this, especially, and we're going to talk to Kobe, uh, talk about Kobe here in a moment, but we talked about the fact that, that Kobe, you know, the Grammys were in LA and, and Kobe was such an LA thing. He was a worldwide phenomenon, no yeah. question, but for 20 years, he played for the Lakers in LA and he was LA and, and, and you heard Alicia Keys and her monologue say, not her monologue, that sounds so insensitive, but, but in her remarks in the beginning about Kobe and what had happened earlier in the day, she said, here we are all heartbroken in the house that Kobe built. Which right. is the I mean, well, and his jerseys were, you know, hanging. And Eliminated. They, yeah. I mean, yeah, but definitely took a different turn. I um, I thought they were good, though. I, You know, I, I, I thought that was kind of good. I mean, I think, you know, here's the thing about the Grammys and like, okay, so Tanya Tucker won Best Country Album. I mean, she ousted Eric Church, Reba McIntyre, Pistol Annie's and Thomas Rhett, you know, to win. But, you know, when you look at that category, like even just... Reba and Pistol Annie's, the Grammys have always been kind of highbrow. They're kind of like the Oscars. And up until this current controversy that's going on right now with the Grammys, um, where there has been some allegations, allegations that, fraud. Yeah, that there's some fraud with the voting. But up until this year, really, the Grammys were seen as kind of a premier award show again like the Oscars like the Tonys. Well, for musicians, the most prestigious award show there is. Absolutely. And and with the Grammys, it's it's not the most popular picks or uh, the radio friendly songs or radio friendly artists. The Grammys have a history of kind of doing their own thing. Alison Krauss would be an example. Oh yeah, Alison Krauss is a Grammy darling. I think she has won more Grammys than any other artist in the history of the Grammys. Right. But Alison Krauss is not what would uh, she would not be considered a mainstream country artist. No. Casey Musgraves is a Grammy darling. Last year, she won for uh, Golden Hour, her album. I think the year before that, she won for Same Trailer, Different Park. Which I got to tell you, Golden Hour is one of my favorite, favorite um, albums, whatever you call whatever you want to call it now. But you're right. Very little of that was played on country radio. People Again, people found her in alternative spaces. Vince Gill is a Grammy darling. Yeah, he is. Loretta Lynn, she won Album of the Year in 2004 for Van Leer Rose. Remember that project that she did? Yes, with Be- Jack Black. Before 2004, Loretta Lynn, there was nothing 
you know, an icon, certainly in, in the format of country and the genre country, but there hadn't been a whole lot of play with Loretta Lynn. But the Grammys, certainly the voters anyway, certainly saw that in her in, in, in that project. And again, they don't necessarily cast a popular vote. Sturgill Simpson is another great example of the Grammys voting for an artist's work. Sturgill Simpson, relatively an unknown one album of the year in 2016. I have this one on vinyl at home. I've always been a big Sturgill Simpson fan, uh, a sailor's guide to earth. But shouldn't that be the way it should be? I think I I absolutely agree. Yes, Donna, that it should be, but it's not. You mean with other shows? With other award shows. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the CMAs. You know, a lot of people probably don't understand that the CMAs, the country music association, there are are two, well, there's probably three or four country award shows every year if you, you counted them all. But the two biggies, are the CMAs, the Country Music Association. They're based in Nashville. Their award show uh, for years and decades used to be at the Opry House, and they moved to Bridgestone Arena uh, maybe a decade ago, I think. Then there's the ACMs, the Academy of Country Music Awards, which are based in Vegas. Um, MGM Grand in Vegas normally is the home for the ACMs. CMAs fall in the fall, normally late October, November. ACMs are in the spring, April, May. So we have to talk a minute about the CMAs when they were at the Opry House. You literally, it was freezing, number one, in there. And very small. So, I mean, it was, if you scored a ticket for that, it was a major coup. And I remember one year we went, um, and we may have gone two times, but they do not serve, they did not serve drinks, if you remember. remember. And so you sat on, (laughs) you sat on like hard Pews, church, church pews. pews. And literally when the commercial breaks would take place, everyone would get up out of their seats and push they each other out of the way, push each other and run across the street to Opry Mills. Do you remember? I do. And grab a drink. And you would hear people like, like people would be coming back with like, you know, those tray holders they give you like Chick-fil-A. Drink tray, yeah. yeah. With like 30, 40 drinks for people because there was, once the show started back, you could not get to your seat. But people probably don't realize that it was an incredibly small venue. And I mean, it was freezing in that place. And you were shoulder to shoulder. It was like you were in church, you know, pews. And then obviously they took them, you know, to a much bigger space. And tickets went on sale to the public. That's the one thing the CMAs did with the show was they decided, you know what, the fans ought to be here to celebrate this night. And so the CMA sells out. You know, you can't, I guess never say never. You can buy floor tickets, I guess, to the CMAs, but you're going to pay premium. Those are paid for and reserved by the record labels and the management and you know, yes. artists, people like that. I remember my joke was one year that we went to the CMAs and it was a Bridgestone arena that we were sitting with the fans. And somebody said to me one time, well, that's awesome that you sat with the fans at the CMA awards. I said, no, 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 no. We were up in the three hundreds where the fans were actually circulating Blowing. the air yeah. in the arena. We were those fans. Well, and they've always, <laughs> they've always been in Nashville except one year. New York. They went to New York. And um, our old GM, Victor Sanson, was um, very instrumental in taking them to New York. He was the president of the board and took the award show to New York. And that's a whole show for another day. But, um, you know, it was very interesting. And it was kind of like country took over New York. You know, remember Garth Brooks played in Times Square and everything. But for the most part, I I believe, other than that, they've always been in In Nashville. Nashville. But back to the block voting. Well, here's what happens. And I can only speak to having been a voting member of the Country Music Association. I no longer am. I bounced a check to them back in 2006. And they kicked you out. And I was blackballed. So I haven't voted in a long time. But. Who writes a check? Let's just start there. Well, this was back. I mean, this was 25 years ago. 
I still have a check, an NSF check, on the wall at the Grands on Old Nebo Road or Nebo Road in Hiram. Okay. From back in the day. All right. When I had no money, wrote checks. But anyway, block voting is often the case with record labels when it comes to award shows. I don't I don't want to focus on any one genre. Well, particular award show. I have to focus on genre because I only know country. Right. So here's what happens basically. There now are only, we'll say five record labels in Nashville. Now they have what are called imprint labels, which are labels that 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 have certain artists that are a part of the parent company. And the example I'll use today is um let's go with Sony Nashville. Sony Music Nashville is the parent company of Arista Records, Columbia Records, RCA Records, Monument Records. Some of the artists that are on Sony Music Nashville, uh, Brad Paisley, Luke Combs, Faith Hill, Tim McGraw, Mayor Morris, uh, her husband, Ryan Hurd, is on RCA, Old Dominion, Kane Brown, uh, Miranda Lambert, of course, Pistol Annie's, which is her her project or side project you know she got them signed to the label as well so what happens is there's an some sort of communique i'm sure it's not an email form i wouldn't imagine because then somebody could forward it to billboard or something but you're strongly encouraged if you are a voting member of the cma most everybody is in nashville doesn't matter if you're in the mailroom doesn't matter if you you know if you work for a record label or you work for an artist uh, you know, or management or songwriting, you're in, you, you qualify to be a member of the CMA awards and you pay your dues and you get to vote. What happens though, is it's so critical. We talked earlier about the downloads and things at an award show. It's so important that certain artists get exposure, that certain artists get uh, a performance slot. And you want to talk about politicking for performance slots and the arguments that go on about what song's going to be performed by what artist, because the artist wants to perform their brand new song. Right. To get exposure. Producers of award shows don't want you singing a brand new song. They well, want yeah. you singing a song that everyone knows, that is tested and true and people can sing along to. Because just like at a concert, if if you hear the artist say, I'm going to play 30 minutes from a new album right now, what happens? Everybody you, gets you up and goes to the, bar. to the beer line. Yeah, to the bar or the bathroom. Same thing in television yeah. with award shows and performances. If it's an unfamiliar song, chances are you're going to get up and you're going to go do something and come back. Right. So you're encouraged. You're encouraged if you work for a record label to... Vote with the company, we'll say. And that means if um, Arista Records, let's say, you know, Brad Paisley, who is one of the closest friends I have in country music and always has been. Um, and Brad's not had a lot going on lately, musically. But let's say that this fall, they're already planning a album launch, a brand new album for Brad Paisley, who's part of Sony Music. He's on the imprint Arista Records. Then you're going to be encouraged as a voting member and employee of Sony Music to vote for Brad Paisley for Entertainer of the Year or vote for Brad Paisley for this. And 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 so there's a mandate almost. Look at, say, like, a, um, like Old Dominion. If you were a Sony Music Nashville employee and a voting member of the CMAs and Old Dominion's on RCA, which is a, you know, one of the imprint labels of Sony. What do they want you to vote for Old Dominion? Group of the vocal duo or group of the year is the category because they want Old Dominion to win that. There are 8,000 employees at Sony Music. So well, imagine the number yeah. of votes. And that's why it's block voting. I'm not saying everybody does it. Um, I'm, well, and when I think it comes into play is when there are two artists, two or three artists from the same label. That are up for the same award. Right. They almost pick. They not that's, almost, they do pick. That's when the block voting really comes into play. Because and it the, creates a lot of animosity. Absolutely does between the artists. Because you know, if you're artist B and the label saying vote for artist A, you know as artist B that that 
that's been expressed by the CEO and upper management of the company that they really want, let's say, uh, Maren Morris to win female vocalist of the year as opposed to um, Miranda Lambert, because they maybe think Miranda's time is she's still hot and she's still up there, uh, but they want to elevate Maren Morris. Right. They want to elevate her presence. They want to elevate her her um, her awards and get her good performance slots. So they, they would say, listen, for female vocalist of the year this year, we – endorse or whatever, Marin Morris. So 8,000 employees are voting, if not all 8,000 are voting members, but whoever are voting members within that company, Sony Nashville or whatever record label it is, you get that many votes for Marin Morris. And while it's not guaranteed she's going to win because of black voting, it certainly puts you at an advantage. Right. Or a disadvantage. And I think that the thought process is don't throw your vote away. You know, don't, we don't need of those 8,000 employees. We don't need 500 to 1,000 people voting for because everyone gets a vote not just the people who are on that record label i mean everyone can vote so most people from labels are going to vote for their artist you know but the general public or i guess you know because you can be a member of the cma sure if you're in the media if you're in the media radio you know they're not tied to a record label so and they run huge ads in billboard to it's almost like for your consideration for your consideration it's like think of it as politicking you know for you know anything where they're running ads to try to get you to sway your vote or whatever i think it was if i'm not wrong didn't toby keith for a while boycott the cmas because yeah. of this because he thought that it was and it also lets the artist kind of know in a bad way where they stand within the label you know, if if it's um, which creates that animosity, right? And sometimes you know it it causes very hard discussions, and that's why artists move to different labels at times, um, because they don't feel like they're getting the support and the love, and that they're putting all of their efforts into, you know, the newest greatest thing. Here's another example: on Broken Bow Records, BBR Records, you have um, Jason Aldean and Dustin. You have a lot, but let's just pull out Jason Aldean and Dustin Lynch, who are both on that record label. It could be argued that Jason Aldean has won every award that there is to win. Um, I think four-time Entertainer of the Year. Dustin Lynch, who just dropped an album last week that didn't do that well. And I know for his Street Week, we talked last episode about Street Weeks, I know he busted his tail. Yeah, and it's a great album. And I think it moved 10,000 copies. Yeah. Um, Broken Bow Records could say to their employees, Listen, we have to elevate Dustin Lynch. And I would agree with this. Dustin Lynch is nowhere near the level that he should be at. Dustin Lynch is one of the most talented people, I think, in country music. But he's just like Dirk Spentley. Excuse me. He's never gotten, for whatever reason, I've never been able to figure it out. Because they're both very, very nice people. They've never taken the next level or been pushed to superstardom like I think th- they like should be. Like a Luke be. Bryan. Or, right, or yeah. an Aldean. And yeah. so Broken Bow may say, you know, we're going to arrest Jason Aldean for the CMAs or the ACMs or the AMAs or whatever the case may be. Everybody go for Dustin Lynch in every possible category, which I could, you know, I don't know at this point for Dustin Lynch to be entertainer of the year, but certainly male vocalist of the year. Well, and there's a lot of things too. I think people say all the time, like I know people used to say to you when you're in radio, what, that, that album is so old. Like, why is it still in consideration? Uh, it has to do with the window, the timing, dates. Yeah. Timing of the there project. There's certain dates that everything has to you be know, released there, to, And to there's qualify. so many artists when you talk about, like, because Dirks is such a road warrior. I mean, he is on the road all the time. And, you know, but you look at, like, there's a million of those artists. Like, uh, Cole Swindell is another, another guy example. Who, who does, is not where he should be, but based on talent. 
Right. And you can't blame it on anyone. You can't point fingers, but it does let people know that um, it is a business and there are a lot of, you know, the tours that go out when Aldine goes out and now he's at a level where I know like Chase, I mean, uh, Cole's a really good friend of his, you know, in order to elevate Cole's career, he may reach down and take him out on tour. But until you get to that level, you're told who's going out on tour with you. That's right. And there's always a connection. There's always, always a reason why with everything that you expand, it doesn't ha- it's not just with country music it's with any genre of music. There's always a reason why. Here's another example. Kenny Chesney is going out on the road again, the Californication tour or something, isn't it? Chillaxification. Yeah, I think it's the Chillaxin. That was the okay. Red Hot Chili Peppers. All right. So this year, and I think he did last time I was on the road, Old Dominion's with him. Well, they're managed by, and listen, Old Dominion is very talented and certainly deserves second billing on the Kenny Chesney tour, but they're managed by the same management company. As Kenny Chesney. As Kenny Chesney. Yeah. So there's, a, there's often a reason why this is happening or this is happening or X happened. There's there, you can always look behind the scenes and connect the dots. And that's what we look forward to doing on this podcast. Occasionally it's kind of giving a peek. I call it peek behind the kimono kimono about why this happened or why this is happening or why do you do it this way? Well, and sometimes it's not um, like, I don't know how to, it, it's not a, a negative thing. It could be like in an example of Kenny Chesney and Old Dominion because then the label support is there for the whole tour. Do you know what I mean? It's not because otherwise you have different labels, reps reps that are out on the road. So sometimes it's just easier, you know, to have it's cheaper, you know, the days of listen, the music business has gone through the same thing that radio has gone through with the shrinking of the number of, you know, label reps and and labels that are out there. So, you know, it used to be that, you know, there'd be 10 label reps at every show, buying the radio people drinks, buying the program director drinks, you know, all that stuff. That's even gotten shrunk down some. So sometimes it's just a, you know, an economic, economics choice to do it that way. But it is very interesting. I thought that Usher with the Prince tribute loved it on the Grammys Alfreda George's on Usher I thought he did a fantastic job with Sheila E was Remember that Sheila? Sheila? yes yeah. I read a review about it okay and that was Sheila E who was part of Prince's band right yeah I think it was Prince's I think it was all a Prince's band he was amazing that is not easy to do you know and it's I think the obvious choice might have been like a Bruno Mars or something because Usher really has not been in the spotlight except for kind of negative things, you know, news stories. But I thought he killed it. I thought he, he looked great. You know, he looked right at home, too, because he had the girl on the pole. Yes. Dancing. OK. All right. He looked very comfortable. Usher looked at home. OK. I think that performance excited Usher. It was very sensual. You see, I, that's, I wish that Blake and Gwen had done something like that. Well, Gwen's not getting on a pole. What? So <laughs> let's just stop. Award shows as well. You know, there's one award show. That you can always tell who the winner is going to be. And it's this. If they are in the audience, they've won. Because it's understood that if you come to L.A. and be a part of this award show, we're going to give you an award. I don't want to call out which one it is. I don't. No. We, but you know when they pan to the audience and there's three people nominated, but there's only one person there? Live in the audience and the other two squares on your the, the triple split screen are, or have a, a stock photo or right. something. And yes. So you know they're not there. Well, the person who's in the audience live 
is going to win because they've been told if you do not come and be a part of the show and if you not perform, if you're at a level that they want you, you know, if you're that level of an artist and that you could really be a draw for this particular award show, then they also expect you to perform. But in exchange for that, you get an award that also has three letters. Right. Yeah. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Let's talk about um, the really sad news from this weekend um, with Kobe Bryant. Um, I was at Publix shopping and I heard some, I don't want to say they were kids. They were probably like teenagers talking about it. And I didn't know who they were talking about, but they said their exact statement was, if it had been Betty White, I would have believed it because she's old or older, but there, there's just no way this is impossible. And, um, as we now know, Kobe and his daughter and the pilot and two other families. Well, three really, right. There was a coach, the basketball coach, and then two other families were killed along with him. Um, and I think there's just, you know, obviously, so much that you can talk about with this, but there's a couple of things that really struck me from this story. And there's the obvious that Kobe is an amazing athlete. Um, he certainly was controversial. I think that's very interesting. You know, most, most people are in life, you know, I think it's, people are debating, you know, now that we're on the other side of what's happened, people are, you know, well, there were things about Kobe's life that were not always pretty. Well, guess what? No one's is, you know, but I mean, the obvious that he was with his daughter and flying to her basketball game is just heartbreaking. But he said that the reason, because there's so much debate about Kobe has so much money that, you know, he was taking a helicopter from Orange County to L.A. or wherever he was going, you know, Calabasas or wherever. But he did that. And he was very public about the fact that when he um, when his other daughters were born, that he decided to start flying so that he he was tired of missing dances sitting in traffic and recitals or recital yeah and it just is heartbreaking and then the other thing that um actually i was telling you this that someone from charlotte school one of the administrators um because i do think it, it affects you know like will was very sad you know it's just it's pro- one of their first legends that you know is gone at a young age um but one of the administrators at Charlotte School said that Kobe had gone to Mass that day earlier. He was he went to Mass every Sunday with his family. And so that there is some comfort in knowing that, you know, again, however you believe, that on that day he had he had a relationship, you know, with God in some form. And then obviously this happened later that day, but the thing that I think has come out of this the most is do not wait to tell people how you feel. You know, I think it's easy like to say, I'm not going to hold any, you know, Shaq was saying he's not going to have beefs. He's not going to do beefs anymore. He's not going to have grudges. And I think that's an easy thing to say, but very few people can actually stand up and go back to everyone and say, okay, I'm done. It's a, it's harder to do than it sounds because sometimes there's a lot of water under the bridge. But what we all can do starting today is tell people how we feel. You know, I did that with Charlotte the other day. Well, why does it take something like this happening for that to happen, though? I don't know. And then do we all say we're going to do that, and then the message gets stale, and we're tired of telling people how we feel a month later, and then we wait until there's another tragedy or another 
Maybe for everybody to come together and say, you know what, this is really now. This is it. This is the this really. I know we said this before, and and we all discounted those times. This is it right here because X died. We need to all get together and tell people that you love them. Maybe I mean I think there was there was something about the story with him being in his forties and and with his daughter. You know that. Um, how much time we whether you're most of us are not flying in a helicopter, but the amount of time that we're shuffling, trying to do it well, trying. I mean, he's he's no different. I mean, he's got a lot. He had a lot more money, but I mean, at the end of the day, all he was trying to do was be the best parent he could be. You know, oh, my medicine's going to kick in. I'm going to get oh, sad. Gosh. But you know, I did tell Charlotte, and I, I told boy. I told Olivia, and I think, you know, it's something small that you can do just to say to your kids, I want you to know, and not in some maudlin, in case something happens to me, but just, I'm proud of you every day. But shouldn't we be doing that every day anyway? Probably, but I'm not. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who aren't just because things get in the way. So, you know, if it takes a tragedy to remind people to be better humans, then so be it. You know, what's negative about that? You know, I hate it that it takes something like this, but yeah, I think, you know, sometimes you have to reach out and tell people how you feel. Is it going to be, is, is the, the passing of Kobe Bryant, his daughter and the other people on the helicopter, is it going to become one of those, where were you when type things? And here's, for example, it was six years ago today, Snowmageddon. Here in Atlanta, you remember where you were. You're probably stuck in traffic. It was 34 years ago this week, the Challenger disaster. Do you remember where you were when that happened? I do. I okay. was at the. I was in. I I remember exactly. I was at the University of Georgia, in like a common area. Because again, imagine this, kids. We didn't have TVs in our dorm rooms, and so we would have to go to the common area and watch soap operas. Okay, this is how I mean. Like, fight I'm, over the room. I'm really dating myself. Well, there were different rooms. There was like a room a for hospital room seriously. I'm not room. even kidding. Okay. A room for days, <laughs> a room for all my children. And you know, I scheduled my classes around soap operas and sun. So, you know, I'm gonna lay out in the sun, I'm gonna watch these soap operas, and then I'm gonna go to my classes. But yes, I remember exactly where I was. So I do think for our kids and and well, for most people, this will probably be another one of those barometers of where you were for this generation yes and and it's probably you would agree the first one that's had this type of effect on the younger you know like will our son who's 20 yes and i think for them it makes life life is fragile and you know when when our parents used to tell us that we're like right 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 we're young we've got the rest of our lives i think it also makes your kids look at us like you know, anything could happen. I saw a great social media post where it said um, something to the effect of never, um, never dispute the fact that getting home safely is a good thing, you know, and it's true. I mean, I know for me personally, like, and anyone who has kids probably feels this way. I am, you know, I'm nervous until all the kids are home for the night. And I know everybody is tucked into their beds for the most part. We've had some We've had some runners through the years. Yes, we have. You know, but for the most part, they're tucked into their beds. They're in their rooms. You just feel better. You know, once if you if you're someone listening who has a spouse that travels all the time, there's just an uneasiness, you know, that you have. So I think that there is something to be said that, you know, he took off and doesn't return. But if you travel a lot and for business and you have to fly or you're a celebrity and you choose to travel in private planes or private helicopters, it's a numbers thing. 
Is it not? And so if you are in a helicopter six times a week, even if it's just a 30 minute flight from home to the Staples Center when he played ball, because that's when it all started is right. when he was playing for the Lakers, he decided, I'm just going to take a helicopter. Well, because if you've ever LA. been to, if you've ever been to LA, the traffic right, like, but, it could be, but don't you expect something like this to happen to a celebrity who lives this lifestyle more so than anyone else? Isn't it, isn't it numbers? I mean, you know, you hear about it all the time. I, I, I mean, you know, listen, we're not going to debate like flying versus helicopters. I've said, I just don't, I don't want to be in a helicopter. There's too many things that can go wrong. You know, he, he and his wife, Vanessa had a pact and it was that they would never travel in the helicopter together. Yes. Imagine if Vanessa and, and any of the kids or any of the, 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 the kids and brothers and sisters and moms and dads of the other people that also perished in this helicopter accident. But imagine if Vanessa was also on that plane and they had how many daughters? Four. Four. And so then there were three lovely young ladies that were without a mom or a dad. This happens a lot in business. And it's where the CEO and the CFO or uh, the number one and number two will never travel on the same plane even. Even if they're flying coach on Delta to go to a conference, say it's an Atlanta-based company, they're all going to CES in Vegas. Yeah. Is a general rule that upper management of any company, they don't fly on the Together. same planes for this for this reason. And and we can speak to the Carl Black Automotive Group. And people still ask me, is there really a Carl Black? Like, is there a Santa Claus? Yes, there is. Carl stepped away from the business about a decade ago. But there was a period when we were all tight and everybody was together and we would travel with them, uh, whether on business or for vacation or, or fun or personal stuff. And Carl and Mike Bauscher who was, and now is the president of the Car Black Automotive Group. But at the time a car was in play, Mike was number two. They would never, ever travel on the, on same, the same plane. Yeah, they would go, they would have, they would be on different planes. I'll tell you something weird, and I'm sure that people who are listening, maybe there's some, I always think like there's no one weird like me, but then someone pops out of the woodwork. I can't imagine. Yeah. But when you and I fly somewhere, and it's the two of us, and you know I've had a history of just, I'm a very nervous flyer, but... um. When it's just the two of us, I'm very nervous because the kids are home and I don't know, it just leaves me with uncertainty that if something happened to us, then our kids are at home and, you know, what happens and everything. When we all fly as a family, I'm not nervous flying because I think as horrific as it sounds, if something happened, we would at least all be together, you know, um, Someone told me one time, this is kind of interesting, that if you don't like to fly, you don't have a fear of flying. You have a, faith, a fear of faith. You have a faith mm -hmm. problem. I mean, it really got me looking into things because, you know, it really hit me hard when I heard that. I thought, hmm, that's really interesting. You know. There's a really, um, there's a conversation out there, and it's the first time and only time to my knowledge that Kobe and Shaq have ever been um, on the same show and it's on Shaq's podcast. And I'm very close to the people that produce. I've I, I met Shaq a couple of times, but I, I, you know, Shaq was kind enough to do our intro a few episodes ago, but Rob Jenner's who is and John Kincaid from Cicada, the fan they're on the podcast is actually produced and recorded here in Atlanta at Central or Truist field, Truist park, which used to be SunTrust park where Dickie broadcasting is. And Rob Jenner. Jenner's and I were going back and forth a little bit Monday after this happened on Sunday. And I noticed that they had posted on social media 
that the show that they had recorded, the show that Shaq had recorded, they were just going to set to the side because it just, it didn't feel right. Because at the time when they recorded, the podcast recorded a couple of days in advance. Ours is as well. Um, at the time, this hadn't happened and no one could foresee this happening. So it was just a regular episode of the Shaq cast. Right. His podcast. And um, so what they did is they re-aired, they repackaged a podcast from 2015, I think, so about five years ago with uh, Kobe and Shaq together. I believe it was the first time that they'd ever had like this in-depth conversation about basketball. And, you know, there were times when they all, listen, all the teammates on the Lakers had some riffs at times, you know, and, and Shaq in some new material that he recorded on Monday, just to kind of accompany the, the uh, recycled Kobe Shaq podcast from 2015 um, said, you know what? And you mentioned this earlier that I'm going to, I'm going to drop all my beefs. I'm not going to, um, I'm not going, I'm, I'm going to pick up my, I actually, I transcribed it. Hang on. Um, Shaq says, look, I'm all about being hard and all that. But after yesterday, I'm going to have to delete all my beefs because I don't want to do that anymore because you know, you never know. I guess now I'll just call all the people who I had discrepancies with and just say, look, man, I love you. It's a great way to live. It's a great conversation with Kobe and Shaq. And you can hear, um, the new stuff that Shaq recorded on Monday and the interview uh, from 2015. It's the big podcast with Shaq, with uh, John Kincaid and Jenner, some very good friends of ours. And you can grab it wherever you get your podcasts. The big podcast with Shaq. And this week's episode is the 2015 visit and the new stuff from um, Shaq about how he's feeling and how he's dealing with it. And he's, he says, I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating. He's not doing well. This is my brother. Well, and he, no one probably knew. Other than Kobe's wife, Shaq knew him really well. You know, good and bad. Tracy Cousineau's real estate expert advisor system is so powerful that it sold over 300 homes in two years that sat on the market, failed to sell with other agents. Tracy Cousineau is going to get your home in front of the people that need to see it. And Tracy Cousineau and their proven system can get you up to 18% more money than traditional real estate agents. I've said to Tracy before, you know what? Selling your home or buying a home is not an impulse buy. You just don't hop up in the morning and say, you know what? We're going to move. We're going to buy a brand new home. It's important, though, that you remember when it's time for that to happen in your life, that you have the partnership of Tracy Cousineau's Real Estate Expert Advisors, Metro Atlanta's number one most trusted advocate for real estate consumers, my great friend and real estate guru, Tracy Cousineau. To get an absolutely free valuation of what your home would sell, for in today's market, call 855-MY-EXPERT, 855-MY-EXPERT, or go to TracyCousineau.com. That's cousin with an E-A-U because you know she's going to sell your home, TracyCousineau.com. we love to hear from you. You can reach out to us, leave a voicemail message. You can shoot us a text. The number is 770-464-6024, 770-464-6024. Okay, so we got a, um, I know who this is. It said no name, but it's it's Cindy Caldwell, who used to work with me at us at Kix, and he was the sales manager for years. Um and so her message was, okay, Donna, I am laughing at you. Remember when you used to sit in my office and laugh at my phone calls with my kids? Now you know. Love the red plate. We'll share with my now grown incredible two kids. They turned out okay. Working mom and dad, daycare nannies, and the whole thing. Here's what matters, that they know they are safe and loved, which is so true, but I got to tell you a funny Cindy story. When 
I worked for her and she was my boss. She has two children, Kendall and um, Seth. And she was taking Seth to summer camp. Now, I have no kids at this time. And she comes into the office and she's like, well, You're we, we have no kids at this time. We had no, well, I don't even think we were, here? I don't even know that we were married oh, okay. at the time. Sorry. But Cindy dropped Seth off at summer camp and he didn't have shoes. And so she had to go to Kroger and buy flip flops. And I remember her telling me this story and I'm thinking to myself, what kind of mom, like who forgets their kids' shoes? It was almost like judgmental, you know? And then fast forward, and I don't know if you remember this story. We, you were getting Charlotte ready to go to, I want to say, it was either, like it was something, it was Disney, it was Magic Kingdom or wherever. And she had on a dress and you forgot to put underwear on her. I remember that, yeah. And so we go and, you know, she's there and I'm like, okay, you know, do you want to go to the bathroom before we go in? And she pulls up her little dress and there's no underwear on. And your response was what cracked me up the most. This is the Magic Kingdom. They sell everything. I'm like, they don't sell underwear. And she was little. She was, you know, but she had definitely been potty trained. And so you were like, well, let's just buy a diaper, you know, and put put it on her for the day. And she was not having it. She was not having it. So we had she'd to outgrown that stage. Yes. She was proud of she it. She was a big girl. So we had to go all the way back to the hotel room. I don't remember all that, Donna. Yes. And get underwear. But I mean, it just shows you, listen, when you have kids and you're trying to get going and get in the car, you'd be surprised the stuff that people forget kids. You know, we have friends that have forgotten children places. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Not calling anybody out. No. But it, it happens. It happens. It happens, I guess. You leave it, your kids at a rest stop on the way back from vacation after spending a week in Florida, you leave them at a rest stop in the Grange. If you have multiple children, it happens. Who intro the show today? How about a big birthday celebration to Lily Grace White? Lily Grace White lives in Griffin. She's in the fifth grade now. Uh, her mom, Jennifer, and her dad, Jake, um, just beam with pride about Lily Grace. I met Lily Grace two years ago. She played Can't Be Caddy every morning with her mom at 720 on the way to school. She's so cute. And all she wanted for her birthday was to play Can't Be Caddy. And I said, you know what? We can do better than that. Why don't we have her in, surprise her with a, a birthday party here in the studio. We'll have her on the air and you can invite up all your family. We'll have cake and presents and all that kind of stuff. And Lily Grace had no idea what was going on. She just knew that she was traveling a really far away in traffic, even at nine years old, from Griffin and Spalding County to, we at the time. Early in the morning. We're, yes, we're at uh, 400 and Glenridge on the north side on 285 there. And Did she beat you? I don't remember. I'm going to say that she did. I meant to. Ask, I spoke with her mom Jennifer earlier today, and uh, and Dad Jake and I go back on Facebook a good bit. Um, they were in the studio with us that day. Aunt Kayla and Uncle Wade, grandparents Karen and Tim White were with us, and her granddaddy uh, Mark Keezer called in from Indiana, Aww. where they live. And I know that they just got back. The entire White family just got back from Indiana visiting with Granddaddy up there. But he called in when she was on the air. That day, and we threw this huge birthday party for her, and uh, she and her mom listen to the podcast together now. So, so what's Uncle Caddy going to get her? Happy birthday week, Lily Grace White. We need to talk about that after we get done. And Griffin, and she's in the fifth grade, and it is a big number 11 for her. And Aww. she got for her birthday a Fitbit watch. Don't you love when your kids ask for things that are like- uh, Healthy. That, but- uh, and also a game for her Nintendo Switch, which she got. So <laughs> yeah. a little bit of both here. But happy birthday, Lily Grace. Happy uh, birthday, We Lily. always think about you and appreciate all that uh, all that your family does down there in Griffin. And thank you for doing our intro uh, this week. We do have a small ask of you. Uh, three simple things, if you don't mind. Hit the subscribe button so you won't miss anything uh, coming up on the podcast. And remember, you don't have to even listen in order if you don't want to. 
all the episodes that have been uploaded are in your library and you can just download them and listen as you would like. You can binge, you can listen on your way to work, at work, at lunch, uh, at the ball field, if you've got practice going on or a weekend game and you want to be entertained somewhat, uh, consider that. And then rate and leave a five-star review for the pod. And that would mean a lot to us personally if you would do that. And if you do that right now, we are going to gift you with Alan Jackson tickets. How cool is this? Alan Jackson is coming home to Georgia on Valentine's Day night, which is Friday night, February 14th at State Farm Arena. And Alan is early into the tour. He's the third stop into the tour, which is that's a great spot to be. Yeah. And you know, everybody's going to be coming up from Georgia and coming from Noonan and coming down from Nashville to be with uh, Alan Jackson as he plays his hometown. It's been a while. I remember, I've always been a big Alan Jackson fan. We saw him there. And we've seen him several times through the years, but but often you and I, with music and, and the music that we listen to, we like B-sides. We like album cuts more yeah. than, than sometimes what are considered radio singles. One of my favorite Alan Jackson songs of all time was Between the Devil and Me. That's a good one. And I remember it was also Dallas's at the time. And I remember we were at the Georgia International Horse Park in Conyers. Well, that's going way back. When um, Alan Jackson played there and the sun had gone down and you heard that opening. You know how it is when you you want to hear your song at the concert, you know, and that was Dallas and I were just waiting for that to to play that song. And I think it was a single at the time. Didn't do all that well, but great song. And I remember when he opened it, you heard that opening riff and Dallas and I just went absolutely ape crap crazy and just we're singing at the top of our lungs so the hits that alan jackson has you you, there's at least five that you know you will sing at the top of your lungs when he comes home on uh, valentine's day yeah and then there's the ones you forget about you know and you're like oh my gosh he has so many songs it's gonna be a great show so we'll draw a couple random people that post a five-star review yes we are not above (laughs) giving you tickets to to post a five-star review Right. All right. So do that, and we'll select a couple of winners here in the next. Uh, we got several pair tickets to give away, and thanks to well, yeah, State Farm Arena for uh, reaching out and saying, you know what? Listen, we love the podcast, and and we want to be a part of this. What can we do? And I say, hey, give us some tickets to give away to the people that take the time to make the extra step to download and listen twice a week. We're going to have a lot of tickets too. I mean, coming up, we're going to have as we get into the summer. There's a lot of um, artists coming through, and we're going to have a lot of tickets to give away. So working with the Shaky Boots people. Yes. Too for that big festival that's coming to uh, coming back to Atlanta. My apologies to Ben Burnett. We ran out of time. You can check out his podcast, The Ben Burnett Show. We'll try to rebook him soon on Cadillac Jack, my second act. And we are proud to be a part of the Athens Podcast Network. <laughs>